Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Wade is on the tech today, so he is on the Zoom, so if we have any problems, he is a type of person who can't help but tinker, as he's doing right now, and uh, so if there's any technical issues, um, well, he'll fix it because he's also the guy who is producing it, so none of us can really complain. Uh, this is Mike Berg. I'm with Wade Johnson, as already mentioned, and also Jason Oakland here in the studio at Wisconsin Lutheran College for an episode that may turn into two, who knows, maybe even three episodes. We're going to entitle it Freedom, Conscience, and Cultural Engagement. What we did is, uh, mostly me, put together um, theses. Not just mostly you, Michael. I did all of it, but you, you <laughs> tacitly approved to a couple of them. You, you almost read all of them. Um, I put together some theses. I did a quick count here, and we're not quite to 95. Um, uh, we're all uh, kind of Luther buffs, and Wade and I teach the Luther class, and, and uh, we think about the Heidelberg theses and the 95 theses and also the uh, disputation on uh, scholastic uh, theology, those early theses for Luther, and uh, we're attracted to that way of thinking that we put together some theses and then we will debate them. So we're not saying these theses are golden. They certainly don't rise to the level of some of the great Reformation theses, obviously. But my goal was to kind of engage with the idea of American freedom and biblical freedom. Um, when is it okay to um, follow your conscience, even maybe even if that means bearing a cross? And generally, cultural engagement with theories and philosophies. And so we'll see how far we get. There's no way we're going to get through all 90-some or whatever. We'll bounce around a little bit. And what's bit. the name of the thesis again, Michael? Um, freedom, Conscience, and Cultural Engagement is what I'm going with. And what's the acronym for that real quick? Freedom, Conscience, and Cultural Engagement? Yes. F-C-C-E. <laughs> F-C-C-E. All right. That works. So, uh, but Wade, I said we got enough information here that we don't need to do a free-for-all, and Wade said he's got a free-for-all. So... Wait, we're going to do that. What do we have all. to do before that? We have to read the. We're disclaimer. part of the fifteen seventeen podcasting network. Go check out fifteen seventeen dot org. Um, they have had new books come out. Check out the publishing arm there at the website as well, um, where you can take a look and uh, buy Mike's book. Been plugging that hard. I saw buy a, a wonderful book. piece on Michael and his his book in the latest Wisconsin Lutheran College magazine. My wife uh, came in the mail and she looked and she said, "Oh." Nice piece about a book. She was saying it like, a, just like to, you're better than me. Just to kind of jab yeah. you. Right. I'm glad to be used in that way. But I reminded her um, that I am but the Jan Hus to your Luther. <laughs> My wife was also very impressed yeah, when nice. she saw the article in the very Wisconsin nice. Lutheran College magazine. Have, has anybody read the book? I read... <laughs> Parts of it. Last time I had my bet and your wife messaged me that she could tell me I was backpedaling. So here's the thing with that. I read what you sent me earlier on. And here's, here's, here's the wonderful thing about my wife um, is that she has not read it yet. And I got free. Has she not? We got the audio. <laughs> we got the audio versions. Like I got a free, free credits for the audio since we, they allowed me to read my own book, which is very nice. And uh, she loves me enough to listen to the book, but not to read it. She hasn't actually <laughs> listened to it either yet, but this is kind of like she reads, but you know, this is, she's not going to sit down and read it. This is, I have to be like an audible kind of thing. Like when I, when I'm driving or something. Jason so. did read it. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. I just got it right when uh -huh. I got here and I've been 
uh-huh. a little bit preoccupied. Uh-huh. All right. But I will. No excuses. <laughs> um, the, uh, so check out 1517.org. And uh, in the meanwhile, we will uh, let our, uh, our new regular guest, I think he's got to earn, work his way up in titles. Well, I don't know. He may not want to work his way up. He may be satisfied with. Right. Yeah, so we'll uh, say regular guest right now. Okay. Um, we'll share our disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our free-for-all where we talk about the pressing issues of our day. At least that's how Peter used to say it back when he uh, would join us for this podcast. He is coming on again soon for what uh, what episode are we going to do, Mike, that I've been excited about. And I, I shared the reading with you and Jacques Hillel on Jesus and Marks. Oh, I haven't read that Christianity yet. Christianity and Ideologies. And it means a lot to me that you have not. I, I let... Tell me when you're going to do it, and I will prepare. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Have I sent that to you yet, Jason? No, you have not sent well, that to me. Well, I will send that to you so that you may um, decide if you would like to participate as well. It's a very interesting reading. Um, we will keep our free-for-all hopefully somewhat brief. Uh, it came out. Jason has been joining us for Winging It sessions, and I think the Luther series has become even better than it was. And I think it was like it was here. Would you agree, Mike, that it was about here before? Mm-hmm. That looks like eye level. And then, um, and I'd say now it's here. Ab- above the eyebrow. Ooh, yeah, yep. I would say almost at the brim of my hat, if yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that came up, it, it, Mike was frustrated with me over something and said I don't even know his middle name. And it turned out I didn't, and so he told me what it was. And uh, I still don't remember. What's your middle name, by the way? John. <laughs> John, Michael John. Um, the, uh, that's a good middle name. Thank you. Uh, my middle name is Robert. Which I knew, by the way, just for the record. Right. I think because I signed with an R in my signature. Nope. I just knew that because I care. And uh, <laughs> and then we asked Jason his middle name, and Jason said his middle name is? Dale. Dale. And I would say and about four minutes, five minutes, hilarity. six minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, after a while, I just couldn't shake out of my head that Jason Dale sounds like a town name. And so Mike and I, and this was one of my favorite moments in show history because, Mike, I feel like you've, you fully invested in this tangent, too. <laughs> I will invest in a tangent, tangent if it's worthy, and this one was worthy. And Mike had some great contributions. And so we were discussing what Jason Dale would be as a town. I think we established um, it's an outer ring suburb. Um, it has a quick trip. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a, a plethora of Lutheran churches, yet all the mayors have come from the Episcopalian church in town, which was a phenomenal point that Mike had raised. It says a lot about uh, 
American, Jason, not only Jason Dale's society, but American culture in uh, you know the latter half of the century. Very it true. has um, one of the only towns to have a Protestant conference church, uh, CLC church, and an, a church of the anti-Missouri brethren. Is that right? That's what. Yeah, anti. Yep, that's right. Anti-Missouri brethren, um, who have an outside of the framework of fellowship. It has nothing to do with church. They just happen to picnic at the same time, where there are the running of the. Uh, there's the running of the annual Orthodoxunt dog races, um, which are Dachshunds. Uh, yeah, that's always a town favorite. Yes. And uh, it just so happens, everybody shows up, though. This is not in- intentional and nothing to do with church, um, that they are all there. Um, so we, we talked a fair amount about Jason Dale. We established that it has a water tower um, on which uh, it says the town name, and then under it, where kindness comes free. And the E and the E are an, an American flag because if they are anything in Jason Dale, they're patriots, mm-hmm. right? So what I would like us to do is just go around, just for a little while we'll go around, and name one thing we think Jason Dale has or doesn't have. Yes, Michael. All of its north-south streets are named after trees, and all of its east-west streets are named after presidents. I like that. Jason, do you have anything? Yeah. Uh, now, understand, Michael, or I may or may not accept your suggestions for Jason Dale because <laughs> Jason Dale is not synonymous with Jason. Oh, right. Yes. Right. Okay. I I saw some promotional material come out recently of a new uh, development subdivision that's coming in called Oakland, and mm. uh, that uh, it looked nice. Mm. It looked nice. Condos? Oh, I think, yes. Yep. Here's a question. It might be actually one of those multi multi-use type of facilities where you get you know the the lower level with um retail a restaurant or two mm-hmm. then maybe a layer oh, nice. of office like they build outside a city so they feel like cities yeah and then yeah. like the the upper levels are premium okay this is condo. good um i'm gonna say jason deal does not have a skate park they used to have one but residents complained hmm yeah that sounds about right. Michael, do you have anything Jason Dill has or does not have? <clears throat> yes. Um, first of all, there is a, a growing tension between the people in Oakland, you know, the fake downtown, right. with the people of the actual authentic downtown. And so they're going to be pouring some more money into the actual downtown. There's going to be a little bit of a, uh. you know, the retail down there is getting a little... A little upset. A little like miffed. More, they say miffed in Jason We want Dale. more parking. <laughs> and they also want to close some streets to make them uh, pedestrian only. Right? Ooh, yeah. The, um, they also have a do high they, school. If that's the case, Michael, do they have bike lanes too? Um, I'm thinking Jason Dale has lots of bike lanes. <laughs> but I feel like there's also some people, not from the Oakland development, but the older on the outskirts of town, um, you know, Kind of the where like Walmart is. People have a couple, yeah. That some of those people park in the bike lanes all the time. Oh, for sure. Sorry for interrupting, but no, we did mention last time that Jason Taylor does have a a kind of faux downtown. It's mm-hmm. like when Meyer was building the front of their stores to look like small towns, mm-hmm. and I think so. We had established that. Jason, yep. do you have anything that Jason Taylor has or doesn't have? Um, I was thinking that uh, there, <clears throat> because of the the makeup of the town, there there are. You know, still some blue laws on the books, uh, and there been talk about 
like opening a, a brewery or, or winery in the town um, or, or right thereabouts, but it's really been a struggle. And as of right now, they have not. The uh, I'll ask this one. Food trucks in Jasondale, yes or no? Um, only when they became popular in the last few years. Before they were outlawed, I believe there was a... Yeah. They had to overcome the uh, yes. whatever. Yeah. And I think, too, that it's only like for certain permitted events. It's not like a, a free-for-all You can't type. just have one all no. the time. No, you can't just you know pull up somewhere. You got to be invited, permitted, all that stuff. Public pools? Used to filled in. <laughs> Too much liability. filled them in, made them the skate park, yeah, and then, which then ooh. they did not like the teens congregating in yeah, the language right. was. Did you know that the center of the town, that there is this large stump, that there was a, obviously it used to be a tree, and that was where Jebediah Jason, who was the founder <laughs> of the town, um, he had his cabin there, and that's where he would chop wood. And so they've kept that. And uh, after a long uh, historians getting together in the historical, there's a Jason Dale Historical Society, of course. And uh, they authenticated that this was the stump where he would chop wood. Is it, is it still natural stump or has it been bronzed? Uh, not yet. <laughs> the, um, I, was, uh, I was privileged to have lunch with Jason um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, he was really drawn and paying attention to a, a manhole cover mm. <clears throat> when we were walking. Um, Made in Nina. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I am going to say that Jason Dale has specialized manhole covers that just like Wauwatosa here that has their own street signs. Oh, yeah. That there are, um, they they say Jason Dale on them, on the manhole cover with the, uh, with the city seal. Ooh. What is the city seal? City seal or the city logo with the... I was thinking the both. seal. Okay. Um, I'm assuming... Okay, the city seal. It's, it's you know, like a shield. Right. And it has like, like three I'm things in it. I'm debating if a deer should be on it hmm. for like nature. Mm-hmm. Originally on the city seal, there was some pretty, um, I'll say blatant anti-Swede symbolism. We've talked about the Swedish community tension. in Jason Dale. Yes. Has not had it well historically. What is an anti-Swede symbol? <laughs> um, hmm. I think it was uh, um, like kind of like the Swedish flag, uh, but with an X over it. <laughs> okay. the, I don't know how, you can, how it works on a manhole. Okay, you got to think that one through more. <laughs> okay. um, there's got to be something that's I feel like there's something that symbolizes Christianity because Jason Dale um, is the kind that would... I, I, if I remember we, we correctly. Keep, we keep God in the pledge yeah. and God we trust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they even pray in the public school sometimes. Um, if I remember correctly, that there was a steeple, a deer, mm-hmm. and then there was, there was some sort of like a... Like a spear or something, because you know the Native American kind of they didn't they didn't they weren't let's just say it's politically correct back there when they did the speech or did the yeah the shield the mm. symbol. But there's some dark there's some dark <laughs> there's some dark times. No, Jason no town Dallas. is perfect. No, no town, town has a perfect, perfect history. Yep. Um, you know, d- you know when Jebediah married the local 
you know, native princess. Think, right. I mean, you know, is that good or bad? We don't know. Well, and I've, yeah. I've heard that Jebediah was actually a disenchanted um, Confederate soldier, also an Anabaptist, mm. who had deserted and gone north um, in pursuit of peace and quiet and, and, and freedom. And uh, Jason Oakland, since you, you are an expert on this, do you, you've probably seen pictures of Jebediah. Does his beard look more like mine or Wade's Jebediah's? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Coming from, you know, the Anabaptist, the, the Anabaptist deserting Confederate, you know, I, I don't know. I think uh, might be a little more like yours, Mike. Oh. The Jebediah, however, I mean, you know, he was on the Confederate side, but I think he was not happy with the situation, mm. right? I mean, it wasn't just that he was leaving. As a deserter, I mean, I think he felt no. He was like pain. I said, disenchanted. He, was, he this was yeah. He was starting to think. This is not this, right. Am I on the wrong side of history? That's not right. Yep. Um, and uh, by the way, I think that peace, tranquility, and freedom. I think that's on the seal in Latin. Oh. So like oh. pax transqu- tra- tranquilitas at libertas. I don't know what you don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, libertas. I'm yeah. I'm gonna say pa- peace, tranquility. Is it? Freedom or liberty? Which one should it be? Peace, tranquility, and well, it's good. In English, it's freedom because because of the the, the water tone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we should wrap it up pretty soon. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and throw out: um, Are you allowed to own a home in Jason Dale without being part of a, a homeowners association? In the old part, by yeah. the Walmart. Um, well, I would say in the city center too. They probably don't have a like the old like old bungalows it's probably true yeah i don't think but i think you meant the target because i don't think walmart was allowed to come in well we said walmart i believe was just outside of town oh that yeah i think it was uh one of the gas stations that wasn't allowed in yes i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the uh the actual address of uh walmart is like hendrix or something you know what i bet it also is out in that part of town and i'm not saying this to judge the store because it's a nice store but Fleet Farm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Any, any other farm. have or not have for Jason Hill? We can return to this. I just thought some of our episode listeners have not been brought into Jason Hill yet. If you as listeners um, have any thoughts on Jason Dale and what may or may not um, be their uh, biggest high school rival. Ooh. Biggest high school rival. That's a good question. I'm going to guess it's a town um, that is demographically very similar, mm. and yet they find ways to differentiate the two towns. I'm going to say Jason Dale is a Dunkin' Donuts town. Mm. This other town is a Starbucks. Um, Do you think that Jason Dale you know, had trouble with the Swedes in their past, but the other town maybe oh, had trouble with welcome the Swedes. Norwegians. They, they like welcomed the, the Swedes, but had trouble with Norwegians or maybe Germans. I, I don't know. What if it were like Johansonville? Ooh, Johansonville. We'll have to think about this more. Yeah. It'd be good if they're both Jays. Yeah. Stay, stay, stay tuned. Yeah. All right. Well, Michael, I feel like we covered some important ground. And why don't we go ahead and we will make our way to the main topic, which is the uh, F-C-C-E. Yep.
Hi, and we're back. We're going to discuss a, a series of statements. We're going to call them theses on freedom, conscience, and cultural engagement. Things that I've been thinking about, but not really I. I put down the theses, but uh, Jason, Wade, and I have been uh, thinking about a lot lately in the current climate. We'll bounce around a, a lot. I would like, we'll see if the, the other guys do, I would like to have this to be maybe even a series or at least a, at least another episode. So, let's, No, I think it can easily be a series. I don't think we have to race it. So I, I put together uh, one set of theses, 20 on freedom, then 14 on conscience, uh, power and action, 25, nation states, um, which is kind of a dumb, dumb title, but nine, uh, science, uh, really kind of science and, and culture, that would be 13, and then I had some like missile, 10 miscellaneous, I called them coda at the end, okay? That was classy. So yeah, I'm not sure what that means, I think I used it properly. I liked it though. Anyway, can we go to number one? Yes. In fact, I, I was going to ask, are we just why don't maybe work our way through freedom? Yep, like, and then and see how it goes. That may take a few episodes. And they don't have to always be back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. No. This gives us something to jump back no. to. So let me just go one, and then, and then maybe we'll just see how it goes. Thesis number one. While it is often the case that contemporary social justice is not biblical justice, it is almost always the case that American freedom is not biblical freedom. This is not to say that contemporary social justice or American freedom are necessarily evil. So maybe just a caveat there. I hear a lot about, well, social justice is not biblical justice. Okay, sure. Although I think there's some connections there. I don't think you can just say that they're complete polar opposites. But when people say that, it bothers me because I think usually, typically, um, their sense of freedom is not really the same as biblical freedom and so it was my way of saying to balance out out a little bit so because you're saying there's kind of two sides usually one that's will emphasize justice and one that will emphasize right freedom. And, and as they're throwing lobs at each other i would say maybe a pox upon both your houses but i'm really more interested and honestly sometimes more scared of the idea of conflating biblical freedom with American freedom. Not that anybody is necessarily saying that, but it's implied that um, a conservative, let's say Christian in America, is going to say that their, their, their American freedom is really identifies them, right? Mm -hmm. And so it reaches to the level of a theological or biblical freedom. Yeah. If, <clears throat> if I could offer one thought first, um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but uh, I noticed that you used Baskerville Old Face font for this. Mm -hmm. I'm, Times New Roman is kind of classic, is all I'm saying. So Baskerville, that sounds like a good rival to Jason. <laughs> that <Powell>. actually does. <laughs> that actually does. Yeah. <laughs> what would be the mascot of the Baskerville? What if they were the Baskerville Old Faces? Yeah. <laughs> and like it was like a grandpa was their yeah. mascot. Yeah. Yeah. I think Baskerville, or, the town, predates the font. Yeah. Um, I like to mix it up a little bit. No, I think with this first one, I think we've hit on this somewhat in our uh, America Losing Its Mind series. Uh, but I, I do think I would agree with you. And I, I think that maybe sometimes we see freedom, and, and I don't know if this is what you're doing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we in America, or just in general in the West uh, at least, seem to see freedom and justice as... Um, completely different concepts and I would wonder if maybe 
from a biblical point of view, when we're talking Christian freedom and justice, if those aren't actually um, almost synonymous in a lot of ways, for instance, the one who is justified, who is righteous, is free, um, and the one who is unrighteous is slave to to sin. Um, I wonder if maybe sometimes that could be transferred to the secular realm. Um, not that the terms are identical, but maybe we fail to see sometimes the connection between justice and freedom when it comes to um, what we would like to see in America Well, uh, as well. We're very good on um, negative freedoms in America, right? Uh, freedom from, and I don't want to steal thunder from a later, later thesis, um, but maybe we fail sometimes to appreciate that it's it's difficult for all to enjoy freedom if there are foundational injustices. And yeah. I don't mean foundational like America's original sin type sure. thing, but, but um, that the person from very early on um, maybe faces uh, injustices. And, 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 and injustice can be a very big word. Um, perhaps included in it sometimes could just be uh, uh, generational inequities. Sure. Maybe. Well, I think there's two points there. Is one is, and I try to play this out in, in other theses, is that um, really this is the difference between, I think, Pauline language and Jacob Arminius kind of language to understand the symbol and the bound will, which I like to come back to. But then also this idea that, uh, you know, we use the term human flourishing, which I, I think sometimes is a catch-all, but um, that freedom's not really the ultimate goal. Freedom from sin is the ultimate goal, but not really because freedom from sin equals then to be righteous, to be whole, right? To be shalom, to be hu have human flourishing. And so um, if I'm free to just do whatever I want to myself so that I don't flourish as a human being, am I really free, right? Or at least we can argue that freedom is curtailed, right? And I think this really is an argument between left and right, um, where the right would the, the modern, let's say, the contemporary right is going to put freedom, individual freedom, and this is sort of like barstool republicanism, like freedom, almost like a libertine freedom, as the ultimate, the, the sumum bonum, right? And where the left is going to say, yeah, but if that, if you don't have, you may have free choice in certain things, but if there's so many forces working against you, oh. you're not really... You're not you're really making me the left. Yeah, which is probably true. So yeah, <laughs> you're not you're not truly truly free. So, um, can I maybe read a couple of these theses and riff off that, or did you have can, something? I was just going to say I <clears throat> appreciate the thought in the second sentence of that. You know that that is not to say that contemporary social justice or American freedom are necessarily evil. Um, I think you know you see that how whichever way you go um, outward from the center, so to speak, uh, even when you're starting with something good, if you press it too far, often you end up in a place where you don't necessarily want to be. And I think you can certainly see examples of that with both of these. And, you know, again, it, you end up in a, in a place that you don't want to be necessarily from that, you know, biblical perspective, 
but you know, whichever direction you're heading, left, right, or <laughs> or otherwise, you know, you you move too far beyond, and that's where you end up. I can, guess. Can I make one note yep. and see if you would correct me on this too, Michael? Um, something else I see in there is, uh, so <clears throat> social justice and biblical justice, you can have those aligned in a certain sense. For instance, things the minor prophets talk about. You don't have to be a Christian to have a civic righteousness that recognizes or tries to um, foster biblical justice in that sense. Now, justice in the sense of righteousness or or, um, divine righteousness would be different. On the flip side, you can't have biblical freedom without the gospel, right? There's no civic equivalent of Mm -hmm. biblical freedom. Is that fair to say? Say that, say that second sentence again. There's no, just like th- there is a civil righteousness that right. might affirm aspects of biblical yep. justice while not having to be a believer. Right. I don't think you can have biblical freedom without faith. Sure. Like there's not that one-to-one over. You, you can't even imitate biblical freedom. It, it becomes entirely a left-hand thing. Well, that's the, that's the key. I mean, you can say in a certain sense, like a limited government can't get into my conscience and stuff. And, and, and there's a certain limit there just in the natural order of things, but you're right that it's not connected to freedom from sin. I would argue that, well, can I just read these, these few and go then, with whatever and, you want yeah, to go with? Um, Cause I think this would be the, the, the most efficient way. First of all, number two, the conflation of American freedom, biblical freedom hurts the spread of the gospel. And I kind of repeat that theme. Um, throughout the, throughout the whole paper american freedom generally assumes a free will like it's my free choice and my exercise of my free will and i think that goes coincide that coincides with some later uh thoughts that self-reliance is the ultimate the ultimate um ethic and so it's a very curved inward kind of thing it assumes the free will right this idea of that I, it's my choice i can do this nobody depends on i don't depend on anybody and I think that does affect how my actions affect other people. Neighbors not involved there. Um, contemporary, oh, the conflation of social justice with biblical justice also hurts the spread of the gospel, right? So we can think of uh, a social gospel there rather than a saving gospel. Contemporary social justice generally does not have a mechanism for forgiveness. Uh, we'll, we'll come to that at probably another episode. Biblical freedom is not only freedom from but freedom for, and I think here's the key. One cannot understand biblical freedom without understanding the symbol. Thus, the old man is deceived into thinking that his slavery to sin is freedom. So a person who says, I can do whatever I want, freedom's the highest good, but if it's just freedom to sin, that's not biblical freedom. That may be, that may be a sense American freedom, or although I, I think that's even pushing it, um, that it can be a sense of, uh, a kind of a civic freedom, but it's certainly not biblical freedom. Freedom from sin is righteousness. So the opposite of sin is righteousness. And as St. Paul says, the new man is a slave to righteousness and the new man is free to love and quite frankly, can't do anything but love. So to favor personal freedom over love ignores the symbol, right? It ignores the the anthropology of of Paul's letter to the Romans, which is going to say, either you are a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. So this idea that I'm this 
lone person who just does whatever I want. Um, that I don't think you can. I don't think you can pull that out of Saint Paul's writings. What do you think? <coughs> Sorry, I was, yeah. go ahead, Jason. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just. Uh, I don't know if I have this uh, really <laughs> thought out or crystallized real well, but you know, I, I wonder too with the thing that thing that I'm thinking of. I I, I appreciate those thoughts um and you know gets gets me thinking um about any number of things um but i'm the thing that i'm that i'm wrestling with is how this you know is that is it a question of you know definition to a degree you know that that you run into some of these conflations or 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 problems between you know people people assuming when you speak one way you're talking about freedom or you're talking about justice that you're also talking you're talking one and the same thing um and and you know is that you know something that maybe isn't solved but you know lessened to it to a degree if if those definitions are made more clear or even what realm you're in? Are you in the yeah. secular realm? Or are you in the in the spiritual realm? And I think that's what I'm trying to get after. Is I'm not sure that the average Christian walking down the street pre- appreciates right mm-hmm. that that you're thinking about these things. And my my concern is that if you're talking, you're going around and under the guise of Christianity, you're talking about whether it be a social gospel liberation kind of theology on one hand or on the other hand what i would argue is a turn in the last 20 30 years maybe even 40 years of kind of not freedom for the sake of but i'm still a citizen and i want to work for the good of everybody to this idea of don't ever tell me what to do ever 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 Hmm. and then i keep thinking about well if i'm addicted to sin And I tell you that this is my action and I want to do it, even though it's harmful to me, the sin is harmful to me. We all realize that, well, you're an addict to sin. That's not, that's not good for you. Right. So, um, I mean, let me just, and I think it does change the way we, we, we speak and think. So I don't want to pick on, you know, the anti-vaxxers or, or anything like that, but I think if if in 1955, take 1950, coming out of World War II, there was a pandemic, I think the the overwhelming rhetoric would have been, this is my civic duty to get a vaccine, and utter thankfulness and answers to prayer that in 18 months there was there was this miracle vaccine. Now I'm not saying that that was that wouldn't have been maybe there obviously would have been people speaking against it because there always is. But I, I do believe that that there would have been a sense of duty and a sense of neighbor, a civic duty and stuff like that, and and that is almost flipped upside down in certain circumstances here, where the the first thing we say is, "Don't tell me what to do," and I'm not saying that's wrong, that you you aren't questioning that, but I don't think we can deny that there's a completely different attitude change, and where did that attitude change come from? Well, I, I got to think that part of it is uh, a more libertine, personal freedom, don't tell me what to do, rather than a broader picture. 
that it is freedom to flourish. So I think it's the difference between thinking of our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as the pursuit of my individual feeling versus life, liberty, and the pursuit of um, uh, a civic flourishing. Yeah, I think, too, that uh, there definitely has been a shift with that, I think. Um, and uh, in some ways, just in talking to people of different generations, you see that a little bit, If especially in, you know, just in light of some of the um, vaccine type of things that you're talking about. And to, sorry to interrupt, because yeah. I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm on one side. Uh, another probably huge reason for I this. I am on the side is, you just described. It's just a, a, a distrust. <laughs> well, you would agree with this. Part of it also is a distrust into institutions, mm-hmm. right? Right. That, and and part of the blame is going to have to fall on the institutions, right? I, I don't think that you can, I, I don't think it's just the individual person following some, some sort of political um, theory um, for the last 50, 60, 70 years on the right um, and the left, right? Because there's, there are people that, are on the on the left who are, are coming to the same conclusions. There there is a distrust in institutions as well. Um, if I can <clears throat> not shift things, but switch to a different thesis that you have down here. Did you have something more, Jason? Or? Um, I I was just going to say I appreciate that um, the idea of the you know quorum deo quorum mundo distinction of you know in the eyes of God or in the eyes of the world and 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 how that. Um, how that distinction maybe seems to have been lost and which I think um, some of the theses that you read certainly hit on that. And, and, you know, I think too, that recapturing some of that distinction or or understanding of that maybe helps, you know, sort, sort through some of those things too. Um, And again, I think, the way you say it is <laughs> maybe helps do that. So that, that was about what I was going to say, but sure. I can talk now. You can, you have permission. Do you want to talk more, Jason? No, I do not. I interrupted him. <laughs> so I felt like I should give him the floor. Well, that's fine. If I could um, reference uh, thesis five, contemporary social justice generally does not have a mechanism for forgiveness and not disagree with it in entirety, entirely, but looking at two words in there, first, generally, um, I think is a fair word, so it qualifies what you're saying. But as far as the mechanism for forgiveness, um, I would say two things. Uh, first, I think it does have a mechanism for forgiveness for certain groups or classes. Um, so, for instance, an exploited class, a member of an exploited class does something I think we will see uh, leniency or forgiveness increasingly shown and that could be a a very positive development so for instance um, I think we've largely many as a country I think we're becoming more aware that the war on drugs was uh, a very expensive um, American venture that didn't produce a lot of benefits that's not to say all drugs should be legal but how we went about it has probably put a number of people in jail um, in ways that have affected communities that maybe it wasn't the best to do. Um, for instance, many more people uh, selling than people using, right? Uh, f- 
will ended up in jail. And to see some of that, with uh, especially with legalization of marijuana that's happened in some places, to recognize maybe certain people shouldn't be in jail as long as they have or at all. Um, I think if we count that as forgiveness or pardon, we can have a picture for that. Um, I think we've seen with protests or even with um, riots, not only in this country but elsewhere, there's times where, for instance, um, uh, civil disobedience in, in other countries that, that we see that disobedience sharing at least aspects of democratic values, right? We maybe would be willing to forgive some rough edges on those things, um, or at least the current social justice climate would. But I think with that word forgiveness, too, the issue is um, that no earthly justice has a mechanism for um, for free and full forgiveness, right? A forgiveness that reaches to the conscience. And I think you bring out the conscience well in these theses. So my thought or question would relate to I'm guessing this is an author you've read before because he was a Detroit sports columnist for the Free Press. Michael, when you lived in Michigan, did you read the papers? I did. Were you a news guy or a Free Press? Um, free Press. See, and I was news. I was Wojo. You ever read Wojo? I did. Um, but Mitch Album <laughs> had a, a very good article, um, I think you would enjoy it, um, on forgiveness is in need of forgiveness and talking about how we've kind of held a grudge against forgiveness and we've, when we've gone the route of of canceling um, but I think with that with that thesis um, I guess what I would ask is is does anything in this world not just contemporary social justice was there ever really a mechanism for more than pardon sure. if that makes sense yep and that's fair enough I think what I'm after here is what we've talked about a lot is that it really, and this is when we get to power, you know, a hermeneutic of power. So probably better, a hermeneutic of power does not have a mechanism for forgiveness because it's about winning and losing. And then the, the, the person who wins has, has won. There's no sense of kind of forgiveness and it just never ends. You never get to, to a right. sense of that. I would, I would, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I would also point out, though, that American culture actually has been quite forgiving uh, in the past, no, and I would agree with yeah. that. And I would say, for instance, in, in, and and that has changed. So let me right. finish the thought. Like, um, you know, a Bill Clinton or uh, a John F. Kennedy, or pick any powerful man, that there there was there was an appetite for vengeance. You're picking all Democrats, by the way. Right. Hmm. Well, <laughs> um, there was an appetite for vengeance, sure, um, but. But there are other times and places and cultures where certain mistakes kind of end it, right? And, and sometimes it has to, has to be that when we think of like certain sins when it comes to the ministry and, and stuff like that. There's no going back. Um, but I, I don't see that necessarily right now happening, right? Mm -hmm. um, even the smallest of sins can get you, can, can get you booted out. And we, and we could give a, a bunch of examples for that. Although, although I think that is generally an over, not that doesn't come from the theorists behind all this, but rather um, mob justice is not the right word, but maybe it is right. It comes from the people that are getting, well, and, and it, I would say also the commercialization. I'll talk about that later. Um, 
where where the capital the capitalistic businesses a capitalistic society that is based a lot on markets and and selling and getting people to buy in has heard a lot of this right, right. and so we're getting into the weeds here a little well, bit well i'm wondering if maybe there's something to this and i think building on when you say contemporary social justice i think you you have in mind if it's fair to say with that um, much of it that has been shaped by postmodern theory of yes, various sorts. I, I would say you that. You mentioned power dynamics. Um, and, and so would maybe part of the issue would that be that we could say in um, social justice that largely focuses merely on power uh, has a dialectic of allies and enemies, um, which in a way, while there might be forgiveness for some, both needs and perpetuates enmity of some sort reconciliation tends not to be the goal fair to be fair though if i would be sitting next to somebody who i would be criticizing they would say how long do we have to wait for justice reconciliation is no longer don't tell me about reconciliation from from any side when there's not any kind of olive branch coming from the other side and and i appreciate where they're coming from and i think for instance a dr king definitely had a sense of forgiveness in when he is in the civil rights movement um, is definitely not trying to alienate even the very people whose actions or policies he opposes um, I think as you just said though people looking 50 60 years later there is that sense of well how long do we have to wait right. for what King was talking and, about and I we got to be careful here because you can you can find Let's just take Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King. You can pull from both of them to find quotes that would put them on both sides of this. Right. But generally speaking, probably King is more um, still hopeful and forgiveness and reconciliation is still still hope generally. Although you can pull some things out that are going to say, uh, you know, this is it's no we can't wait any longer. And Malcolm X tends to be more like, you're really going to wait for somebody right. just to turn away. And I, I don't blame him necessarily because I think he probably had a, probably a better idea of the, of the, you know, the, the depravity of man, right? right? At the same time, he can be hopeful as well. So it's not an Especially even Especially after the trip to Mecca and his, he leaves the nation of Islam, yeah. But we can kind of see that there is, generally today at least, the idea is that there is not a, a mechanism. There, there really just isn't in the in the mob the mechanism for forgiveness although there have been quite a few articles f from liberal leaning uh um, journals and newspapers that have been sort of calling this out a little bit so it could be a flash this could be one of those historical flashpoints and not a enduring kind of thing yeah i was so i was looking up something when you were reading the theses which one did you read through just so that i don't jump ahead uh through 12 i believe okay um I think something um, that was one we should build on, go back to and build on in the future is the similar one. I think that mm -hmm. definitely deserves more. <coughs> but um, can yep, go ahead, Jason. I was just thinking of something too. I mean, kind of going back to the idea of comparing that, you know, freedom and justice. Um, that you know, w w what do you say? What do you say about that? Where the the goalposts on both sides in some ways seem to move that you know 
what what was considered freedom now is not that it's not free enough anymore or or that well this would i mean some of the things that like you know dr king would say as far as justice or whatever well that's nowhere near what you know we're talking about nowadays and so i i guess that's that's more of a question from sure. from my uh from me rather than an an answer or or an insight just saying you know how, how do you how do you wrestle with some of this stuff when it seems like the goalposts keep moving yeah i, I think that's interesting too because you could almost say the goalposts when it comes to um justice and freedom at least in a kingdom of the left sense mm-hmm. move between prophets and and saint paul right for instance you know what was considered justice in you know king david's israel might not have been considered justice in paul's rome right um and so I think especially in the in the left-hand side, I think that is going to be something that has to be weighed and, and considered contextually. I mean, if that makes sense. What I'm, what I'm getting at is um, if we're going to think of Philemon and slavery in the Roman world was very different than slavery in the Jubilee and stuff that you would have had in the Old Testament. Um, and yet believers had to find themselves living within each and navigating them the best way they could. So I think it's a very fair question. I don't know that I have an answer regarding I think in America the goalposts are never going to stay the same because as we've kind of left behind an ethic of good, an ethic yeah. of, of rights has become preeminent, and so the cardinal virtue kind of becomes the expansion of rights. But Especially when, you, when we speak of, I mean, biblical justice and biblical freedom, I mean, those things don't necessarily change or, you know, I mean, the applications of them maybe, but... Right. But... You know, and when you're comparing them to contemporary ideas, it, it it's just one of those things that is, to me, a, a challenge. You know, to yeah. just try to. And I do think, and something maybe we can talk about another time, Mike. Or see, you can have biblical freedom under tyranny, under secular tyranny. Um. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you just want to write down the time on the back there, so I know what time it is. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we got about we, we got about ten minutes left, maybe, right? Okay, you're the one who has to go somewhere. So. Okay. If you mean by like moving the goalposts, like like maybe and and maybe your thought of the expanding of rights, right? Sure. Uh, I do wonder about, and this is this is something that initially I would say was more of a left thing, like. I mean, it's, it's, there's a certain hubris to say that I can identify and name myself, right? That I'm so free that I can, I can declare who I am and I know everything. It's, it's, it's the same sin as in the garden, right? But I, I see the impulse also on the far right very often too, which is, um, that, I'm free instead of instead of maybe from the left, not that they admit that a, a freedom from God, you know, to mm-hmm. be totally autonomous. Right. Um, is it that to much different creature? Yeah. Is it that much different than on the on? I would say the far right, far right's not the right word, but to be so free from any kind of 
human government or human vocation like science or anything like that, that I'm not sure that that's much different, right? Especially if we consider God's hand in vocation. I'm not yeah. saying they're, they come from the same point of view, but there is certainly an impulse to, for, the, for the individual to be really to reign supreme. But the problem with that is that if the individual has to reign supreme, especially for the left, you, you need to have some sort of force that allows you to do that, right? So yeah. it becomes, in fact, giving more power to maybe a state that can enforce this particular, not only this particular freedom to be accepted, but to be glorified, right? Um, which leads me to thesis 13, Wade, um, that uh, absolute personal autonomy makes the individual God. What do you think about that? Um, I think the absolute is important there. I think um, autonomy is important, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, at least... To the extreme, right? Yeah, if absolute, I, yeah. Maybe it's not so important that I assert my autonomy, but it's important that I, as a Christian, respect another's autonomy, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, but I think absolute... Uh, I get to define truth. I get to define myself. I get yeah, to... Yeah, I would say it's, uh, it's the same old enthusiasm yeah. um, that God warns against with the tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil. But it's... Uh, I think here you mentioned left and right, and I think it can hit very hard on on, on both sides of that. Uh, that um, I just think makes the person God too. Uh, I could see a God in a in a sense. Um, I just hesitate with. Uh, And you're not saying this, so I'm reading into mm -hmm. it somewhat. But the thing about God is if, the, is if there's anyone who, in a good Calvinist sense, could just be super sovereign and autonomous, and that's, by the way, um, how you know that your Lutheran pastor is a crypto-Calvinist, is if he talks about the sovereignty of God a lot and more than the mercy of God, um, is that God is ridiculously not sovereign and autonomous in how he actually behaves um, he's social in, in and of himself as, as Trinity, um, but he's also, uh, while free, he binds his freedom, right, for our sake. Um, and so uh, their goal is to be God, but not in the sense of like a good God, not mm -hmm. any God that you'd want, but... Um, but more in the sense of a, a Zeus or yeah, a... Yeah, uh, divine would be a better way of saying yeah. it instead of capital G, yeah. which kind of... By the way, oh, I had a whole bit I did in class today because we were talking about capital G and Plato, and then I said that would be a great name for like a middle-class white rapper, <laughs> and then I was talking about what he would rap about. <laughs> and then the, I bet he would do a show on Jason Dale. Yeah, and the class, the yeah. class would be over, and then you're like, well, that was yeah. good. But no, I would agree with but, you in the, by what you mean by divine there. Um, and I, I think with the with the emphasis on the absolute. I, I just think more and more like, what does God do? He names things. He creates those kinds of things. And that seems to be, I don't know, the, the last gasp maybe of 
enlightenment humanism. Right. You know. I think it's impossible oh. to be loved and to be fully autonomous. Yeah. yeah. And so if we believe part of what human flourishing is, is to be social and to be lo- to give love and be loved, I don't think that that happens in any sort of autonomy. Um, it's not as if I always freely choose to love my wife and kids. Sometimes I have to love them. Mm-hmm. The right. I think, well, first of all, I appreciate, you know, you uh, telling us what, you know, how to be a good Calvinist that, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was from experience or what, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, the, uh, thinking about just kind of the way Luther talks about, you know, what is a, what is God in the large catechism, you know, just kind of makes you think, yeah, that absolute personal autonomy, you know, I mean, if this is, you know, now what is, what is worship or what I, what I consider the most valuable or what I consider, you know, I mean, it ultimately ends in self then, doesn't it? I mean that, and, and in that way, I think you know, that seems to agree with some of the things that Luther is saying there in, in the large catechism at the very least. I, uh, I think Mike, I know you're probably. So I'm going to try minutes. to be a good, good Lutheran rather than a good Calvinist. <laughs> but. I hope so. <laughs> Um, I think I'd, next time, Mike, I'd like, us to, I'd like us to come back to 9 and then to do 7 and 12 with the simul because I think we really should yeah. unpack what we mean by the simul, and I really like 9, and I think it would be good to make that how freedom from sin. Uh, so 9 is freedom from sin is righteousness. So I think it'd be good to unpack that. And then the other two mentioned the symbol, so I think it'd be good to come back. And hopefully we can, maybe the flip side of the freedom is what's the highest ethic, which is, I think that high, that high hyper-individualism, I think, is, um, is as you kind of mentioned, okay, this seems to be a little bit more Calvinistic. I would say the individual ethic being the highest good seems to be a little bit more Arminian, and neither of them, I think, really kind of touch base on some Lutheran things like the symbol and stuff like that. And I think we'd like to get to the conscience too, um, considering, uh, what's going on in our culture recently. So thank you for indulging me guys. I need to go. So I'm going to take the headset off and you guys can wrap it up. All right, Jason, say, let the bird fly. Let the bird fly.